Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Good morning. Let's say happy Father's Day again to all the fathers here today. I'm not going to take but just a moment because it is Father's Day, but we want to honor our pastor as our spiritual father. We've got a uh, card that we want to present to him. Before I do that, though, I've got a real quick scripture that I want to read. Uh, It's in Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 8. It says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts Unto me, and everybody say gifts. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? It says, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some uh, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And in verse 12 tells us why. It says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, of the body of Christ. There's several things in here. Like I said, I'm not going to take but just a minute, but I want to honor there. Both of them are our pastors, Miss Michelle and Pastor Eric, but we know today's Father's Day, so we're honoring uh, Pastor Eric. But you know, there's several things in these few verses right here. One of the first things that point God points out here is that, that uh, our pastor is a gift. You know, God places different gifts in the body, and we know the f- fivefold ministry gifts, but there's something about a gift. You know, you can have, uh, it's like at Christmas time, you could come in at Christmas and there'd be gifts under the tree, but how many of you know the one that has your name on it belongs to you, but if you don't receive that gift, then how many of you know you're not going to enjoy the benefits from the gift? Amen. Someone can, you know, I could try to give someone a hundred dollars, but if they don't take the gift from me, then it's not going to do them any, any good. They could already be provided, but you must receive. And that's the way a gift is. A gift is something that we esteem. Amen. A gift is something that we prize. A gift is something that we honor and treasure. You don't take something that's that's important to you, you know, and, and just leave it out in the yard. You remember as a kid, you get a gift, and you, Christmas or something, you left it out in the yard, and your parents said, what are you doing? You know, you left it. As I remember one time I got a Nerf football, left it out in the yard, and the very next day the dog chewed it up, and it was all gone, the gift that I had, you know, because I, I didn't I didn't esteem what, what had been given to him. I just, we're just going to leave it out in the yard, you know. You see what I'm saying? And it, there's, there's gifts that we have, some natural things that we esteem, but how much more spiritual gifts that God's placed in our life that we esteem? And what I want to encourage you to do today is, uh, and I, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, to a lot of people, uh, concerning this. I know that you honor, uh, this couple as our pastor. They are your pastor. But I want, I want to tell you this is that if you will honor the gift and if you'll receive the gift of pastor in your heart, what I mean by, I'm not saying your salvation like you receive Jesus. What I mean is, is in your heart, who you are, if you receive this couple as your pastor, then what happens is, is heaven is able to speak through them into your life. God has a divine order, and there's certain things in our life that only come through that order. Amen. And there's certain things that if you don't have a pastor in your life, then I encourage you to, if, you know, if God's placed you here, then I encourage you, make this couple your pastors. Amen. Because in that, I'm telling you, there's things in life that God wants to bless you with. And and And, and as I was thinking about this, you know, a lot of times you've got the evangelist that comes through and, you know, the old saying about they come in and they blow up and they blow out, you know, they give the word and then they're gone. Amen. 
And they're, they're part of the, the, the five-fold ministry gifts. They're needed. They're, they're necessary. But it's kind of like the, the, the old adage of the grandparents. You know, the grandkids leave. They go to the grandparents' house, you know, and the grandparents let them eat ice cream on the couch and let them stay up late and, and watch things on TV or whatever. They don't hardly correct them, don't hardly ever get on to them. Then they come home, and the parents have to kind of take a couple of weeks to get them back in line. He said, amen. Well, the pastors are here through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. Amen. And God appoints and calls a pastor for you to submit yourself to, for you to, to, to receive them as a gift into your heart for that particular pur- purpose. Sometimes they correct. Amen. Sometimes they, they see things that you don't see. And if we'll avail our, our lives and make ourselves um, yielded to them to the place to where they can speak and you honor that gift, then God is going to speak through them to, to, to maybe steer you in a different direction. They can see things coming down the road that sometimes we don't see. Amen. So there's protection. God's not trying to hold anybody back, but he wants to, he wants to bring blessing in our life. Amen. So pastors are gifts, glory to God. And as we esteem the gift and we receive the gift, then there's things that God wants to bring into our lives, blessing, increase, protection, amen, amen. joy, peace, things that, that, that can only come through his divine order, amen. So it's our choice, and I encourage you today to make that choice and honor this couple as your pastors and see and, and allow. I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm preaching to the choir. I know a lot of you do. But uh, but if you don't, make that check in your heart and, and make that decision and see what God will do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We love you today, Pastor Eric and Pastor Michelle. We do. We know it's Father's Day, so we're honoring him as our spiritual father. We want to present this to you. Amen. Thank you, sir. All that you do and all that your wife does, your sacrifices, and uh, thank you for your heart, for God's. You want God's best for us. And we greatly appreciate every sacrifice that you make, that both of you make. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Unless you're a mother, then it'll come back around. Good morning. Brother Kelly. No, no, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to have a good time today. I'm not really good on holidays or particular things, but today I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna preach on Father's Day. <clears throat> I always say it's a little easier to preach on Father's Day than it's Mother's Day. And here's why. Probably you, you really can't relate it, a man or a woman, the human side, but probably from the mother's side it's closer to the heart of God than anything. But you can't still equate mother to God. Because God will forgive. But if you mess your mama's kids, she'll kill you. <laughs> so you can't really go there. <laughs> you know, Daddy might let you slide a couple of times, but Mom would just she'll just kill him. <laughs> you know, and some mothers are so tough in the animal kingdom. You know, they eat their young. So, so, uh, but before we go there, and thank you, Mister Matt, for those kind words. I appreciate them very much. Very thankful for your words. And our children are going to children's church, and as we would like to say, we believe the teacher wins today. Amen. Um, before we get into the message, and we're going to go a little bit faster today because I realize some of you have plans, uh, things that you got to do, and uh, that usually involves eating. That's what we do in America with our plans, right? But uh, going to, to be with different ones or fathers, so that's a great thing. But for those of you who are single, anyone here single? 
no, sir, you're married. Put your hand down. No, 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 I was kidding. But especially you ladies who are contemplating marriage, I tell you, it is very important who you choose to spend the rest of your life with. And if you don't know that for sure, then ask someone who has been married for a while. And they can really stress the importance of that. So we got a little clip this morning that uh, you might have seen this. Crapful Dollar put out something. And this is just kind of a uh, something that you should probably be aware of if you're contemplating, especially if you're a woman, you're contemplating marriage. There's some things that you just need to know uh, about uh, that person that you're considering spending the rest of your life with and being encoded with this kind of fun. But, you know, it's a lot of truth in this. So if you're already and We'll cut those lights off the front, if you will. Brother Matt, we'll cut the lights off, but we won't serve popcorn. It's not theater. So here we go. These days when people come to you and say, hey, how you doing? Are you all right? You like trying to, what's the motive? Why are you talking to me? Because, you know, church folks. can hide behind the church and not let you know what the real deal is. And that's why I say single people, if you're dating somebody, you need to ask a thousand questions during the dating process. You don't need to be sitting up there talking about, well, I go to church and I talk in tongues and a big plus is I'm a member of world change. Oh, praise the Lord. I done found my husband. You might have found the devil. Now hold up a minute, girl. You need to ask some questions. Y'all need to sit down and go on a whole lot of dates. Uh, what's your name? Is that your real name? Do you have your daddy's name? When can I meet your daddy? Is your dad and mama together? How do you act when you get mad? Do you throw things? Do you cuss around? Do you beat up on people? I need to know, do you have a job? Where do you work at? How much money do you make? How long you been working there? Do you have a bank account? How is your credit? Can I see your credit score? Do you have a house? Are you living in an apartment? Do you pay for your gas in your car? Do you live with your mom and them? I need to understand what you're doing. What you like to eat? Do you plan on being fine like that all your life? Or you plan on getting big? How many children do you want to have? Will you get upset if we don't have no kids? You plan on having an inheritance? Do you have insurance? Can you pay for your funeral if you were to die today? You need to know who you marry. And don't you dare get married to somebody talking about, I've never seen him angry since I met him. It is not time to marry that person. You need to see how he, how he looked. And you need to ask that woman, how you look without your makeup? Don't put none on tomorrow. I need to see. The hat you got on your head, is that yours or did you purchase it? And if you purchase it, is it paid for or are you in debt? I need to know. When you blink your eyes, are those your eyelashes or, or did you buy those from somewhere? I need to know. You smell good today, but what about tomorrow morning? I need to know. Do you believe in taking showers at night or in the morning? Do you believe in taking three days off and then take shower? How is your relationship with soap and water? I need to know. What's your motive? <laughs> All that time I love him and I'm ready to get married to him. You don't even know him. <laughs> ask him, qu- 
ask, I mean, in these days, ask all kinds. When you going to marry somebody, ask some of the questions. I know the big elephant in the room. Ask the question, uh, are you attracted to men or women? Are you trying to marry me because you're trying to hide something? I know you look manly, but what, 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 what is it? What, what you doing in the booth, in the back, in the corner, in the dark? Flip Wilson, I got to tell you, I need to know. Did your daddy commit adultery? Did his daddy commit adultery? Because I don't know if this thing, you know, got a part three in it, and I don't want to be no part of it. You asked a bunch of questions. Don't ever talk about you ain't got nothing to talk about. And don't wait till him or her starts the conversation. You start it. Sit down. How you doing today? All right. Pull the questions out. Let's go. Some people get married and the marriages don't even have a chance. Because we rush in and want to get married. So you, you dreaming too much. You've been looking at that. They got this new movie. What's the movie out there? They, they, they say they're real big. A lot of people have been reading the books. Don't act like y'all don't know. Y'all know. What is it? What is it? Fifty shades of, of, uh, of gray. Y'all know it. Y'all know it be bringing ropes home, trying to get your husband to do stuff to you. You better leave all that alone. You better go to the Bible and find out how the Bible tells you. You better leave all that stuff alone. Be hurt somebody. I told Taffy, don't come in here with no rope. We ain't doing all that. <laughs> ain't nobody tying nobody up. We ain't getting no whips. And you ain't going to be spanking me with no object. That ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> uh-uh. No. Better, better put your rope back up somewhere. All right, let's get back in the spirit. What's wrong with y'all? I see I don't mess with somebody. Now what, what is going on? Oh my gosh. So let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That concludes our service for the day. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 4. This is not to do with Father's Day. This is just something that I think you need to know. Then we'll get to what we're here for today. But I'm glad y'all here. We have some of the best fathers on the planet in this room this morning. Some of the best men on the planet. I mean that sincerely with all of my heart. So I uh, consider it an honor and privilege to serve with you. Matthew chapter 4, just want to read a few verses. If it's for one, that's why I'm reading. I don't know. It says, Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungered. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered, he answered Satan, and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Notice he, notice Jesus answered him out of every temptation. Well, next verse is the devil takes him up into the holy city and sits him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, once again, he questions him, if thou be the son of God. If you are, not, I know you are, but if you are. 
He says, cast yourself down, then here's the enemy. Here's Satan. He's, here's Satan quoting scripture. He says, you can just cast yourself off of this because the angels have charge concerning you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him again. Now, how, how's he answering him? With a word. Every time, whatever the temptation, whatever the situation, Jesus answers Satan with the word. Some thoughts not acted upon can and will die unborn. Matthew 6 says, take no thought, saying you didn't mean you won't have thoughts. In, in, in any given day, uh, anyone on the planet is going to have anywhere, they say, a number of thousands of thoughts that's going to come to us today. Any suggestions, you know, whether you're just living life or you're watching TV or whether you're going down the interstate and road signs. So we have thousands of thoughts bombard us, but we have things about our lives and, and, and there's different origin of thoughts. And God gives us thoughts. Satan gives us thoughts. Our subconscious gives us thoughts. People gives us thoughts. But we have to do something. We have to have a filtration process by which we put these thoughts in and we determine, you know, what goes on with us and what cannot go on with us. And that's why he said there's things that you have to cast down and you have to cast down imaginations and bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Here we see Jesus being tempted after 40 days. He's questioning if, if you're even the son of God. Then he quotes the scripture to him, but every time, and I know you're familiar with this passage, but every time Jesus answers Satan with the word, and he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Uh, and if that's you this morning and you're dealing with something and the, and the thought life is coming, uh, we was talking about the other day was, uh, I don't know any other way to use it. It's kind of a sports analogy, but it's just uh, sometimes life can work this way a little bit where you're, you may be going through a season where Things are presenting as challenges to you, and uh, and it may be more than what you feel like is your fair share at the moment. And I call it the pile-on effect. It's the guy with the football during the fumble process, then they all jump on. They're all trying to recover the ball to who has possession of it. And so if you're having a pile-on effect, you need to come back into this chapter right here, and you need to go back into the Word, and you need to answer those thoughts. So you don't need to always answer every thought, but sometimes you need to voice and you need a voice that speaks, and you need to say, hey, listen here, it is written, and you need to tell those thoughts, and the and the author of those thoughts, what is written over and over again, and he needs to hear that, okay? It says, the devil took him up, uh, uh, I think we did, uh, yeah, verse uh, 8, the devil takes him up into the exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and he told, and this is what, this is what Satan is telling Jesus, he said, I will give you this if you will fall down and worship me. Once again, Jesus said, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You need to answer the thoughts that come into your mind, especially those that are trying to hang around and stay around with you. Amen? Well, let's talk about fathers a little bit. Why is that important? Because there's has been... And always will be, but I think that there's always been somewhat of a crisis, uh, especially in the days in which we live. Uh, you know, when you've lived past four decades, then you got a little better idea of what's been going on in the world. Now, if you're if you're seven years old, you don't know that much, so we don't need to hear from you right now. But <laughs> but if you live if you live past ten, then you probably have an opinion about a couple a couple of things. When you get past fifty, you'll have more opinions. 
and it'll take you less words to say them. <laughs> Y'all ever noticed when people get over 50, they're like, did you have to say it that way? Well, we did. We had to say it that way. <laughs> it takes less words, and once again, Ed Cole was the author that he's in heaven now, but Ed Cole said after 50, the charm wears off <laughs> to a degree, and so we're not, we're not shining as much, but we can actually get your answer to you faster. So let's talk about uh, to you men, and for those who are looking for a husband, here's, here's some more things you need to know. But let's talk about some characteristics of what it is to be a good father. What it is to be a good father, and uh, and for sake of time, but uh, we won't turn to the scriptures. Uh, I, I have everything written down so I can move a little bit faster, because I don't want to be the one that's guilty of keeping you away from whatever they have planned for you today. Okay, but I believe never before in the history of the world has there been you know such a crisis. If you watch the news, you just look at uh, at, at homes. You look uh, read some of the the Barnes statistics. You can see the absence of the father. In the home, you can see the absence of, of leaders uh, throughout the world. And this all starts at home. Children's church can support what you do, but it, it cannot be it cannot be the edifice that builds the right character traits in our in our children. It only supports what you do. And all you have to do is just talk to someone who's taught children's church for a period of years and they could, you know, <clears throat> I always it's just been my opinion. If you've ever considered the ministry, you ought to go to children's church first. If you can pastor children successfully, you probably can be a missionary to the, to the entire world. Because what happens with children, I'll tell you, you know, there's a, they're the pure in heart. And they're, and sometimes in children's church, they're just looking to talk and they're looking to connect and they're looking for answers and such as this. And so they'll just tell everything. And, uh, and they want answers for everything. I had a kid, uh, well, it was my oldest son. Uh, we was in Birmingham at Pastor Webb's church after we got back from Ramah. And uh, Pastor Roger Hendon, which is now pastoring himself, but he was the children's pastor there. And uh, and I talked to Roger about this several times through the years. He said, yeah, I remember that Sunday. I'll never forget it. He said, because I, I said something to the effect, if, if you need healing in your body, they're all kids. He says, he says the, Lord, uh, the Lord will touch your body and will heal you right now. Well, uh, Chad had two issues. One of his issues was it happened while we was at Raymond. They never could find the reason for it, but he, he began to have seizures. And um, they went through a series of tests, never could figure out why, but we would just pray for him when that would happen, and they would leave. But with no rhyme or reason, sometimes it would come back, and it got to be a situation for him at school. So uh, that was almost uh, the end of our time of being at Bible school. So we came back home. We was uh, in the church at Birmingham for a year or so before we started the church. And he was in the classroom of children's church. And um, Pastor Hendon said, uh, once again, if you're uh, anybody here sick, he said, come, we're going to minute, we're going to pray for you, and God's going to heal you. And so Chad, <laughs> Chad went up there and he said, uh, well, I have two things, Pastor Hendon. He says, I have seizures, and I want them to go today, and I have a cold, and I want it to go today. And uh, so he said he laid hands upon him and uh, for that and, and uh, the cold that he had. You know, did you know there's no actually cure for the common cold? Did you know they actually have more cures for cancer than they did the cold? Hmm? We just don't, we don't view the cold as life-threatening as we do a disease, but there really is no cure for the common cold, you know, from, from medical science. And so uh, he said, 
we got in the car. We was on the way home, and, and Chad said, Daddy, I was healed today. And I said, that's good. I said, how, how do you know? I want to see what he would say. He says, he told me, so he told me what happened. He says, when he laid hands on me for the seizures, he says, something hot and liquidy came on the inside of my head, and he went from that all the way to my feet. And he said, and I had that cough, and Ronnie knows on the way to church, he says, oh, it left immediately. So I called Pastor Hen the next day, and I told him, I said, what happened? He said, I said, his cold left immediately. He said, it did? I said, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you need to know what you're doing is working. He says, wow, look at there. And so, uh, but he never had a seizure the rest of his life. From that day to this day, never had another seizure. And uh, we was going to Bible school, so we weren't, weren't making any money. Well, we were making money. We that was, uh, I think I made fourteen thousand dollars that year. That was, yeah. And so uh, we didn't have any insurance. So to get help from the state of Oklahoma, you had uh, you, you're kind of there going to Bible school. You're you're believing for God for the finances to to live and have family and, and stay there. So we're live we're believing for prosperity on one side, but you had to be poor enough to get help from Oklahoma. So I didn't know how to do the two. So we, we quit seeking help from the, from the state and we just, we just went to the father and he was healed. And so we want to, we want to talk about these fathers and because this is so important that they're in our homes. And, uh, you know, any man has the ability after puberty, uh, to produce children. But that's generally what they are is they're, what we have. And if I can say it bluntly, sometimes we don't have fathers, we have sperm donors. And that doesn't make you a father. You may have the ability to produce, but there's a raising up of a man into the image of Christ to produce a father that's going to be in the home. And uh, so a lot of times, if, if they were in a home and they didn't have this instilled into them, then they can't produce what they never had instilled into them. And so I want to give you about uh, ten things really quickly, what, I, what are some uh, biblical characteristics of a, a good father. And uh, number one, a good father knows, a good father always knows the heavenly father. You as a good father, you know through, through relationship of your own, of the heavenly father, it's in his relationship to you and your relationship to him. So a man won't be able to, a man won't be able to understand what it means to be a good father if he himself doesn't know the father. Yeah, so we have to know the father man. And uh, Jesus made this statement, you don't turn there, but John 20, verse 17, before, after the crucifixion and, and uh, resurrection, before we went back to the Father, he said this, I'm returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And because of his death and his resurrection on our behalf, we not only know what it's like to have a Father. You know, Jesus was, was the one who brought God out as Father, but he was never seen that in the Old Testament. And so that was kind of unheard of doctrine, you might say, that no one in the Old Covenant ever referred to God as the Father. And Jesus consistently, constantly always says, our Father this, my Father this. My Father shows me this, my Father tells me this. Well, they said, well, who is your Father? He said, well, you would know him because you don't know me. And so if, we, if to be the Father that God wants us to be in the home, we have to, first off, we have to know the Father ourselves. This man must also be uh, a man of faith that he has God's faith in him, a faith that will love, a faith that will protect, and a faith that will provide. Through this, your children will know trust and reliance 
on what it is like to trust God and Father as they grow up and to become men of themselves and fathers in their homes. I believe that the greatest heritage that you men and women, but uh, <clears throat> parents, but speaking to men generally today, the greatest inheritance that you can leave your children is not a wealth of possessions for the kids to fight over. I've seen, and you probably have too, kids, people right now, adults, whose parents left this, that, and the other, and all it did was cause fights and arguments, and some of those same children today do not speak to one another because she got the purple this and you got the blue that, or they got the car and you got the, you know, and, uh, and they're not speaking today because of that. It's a great thing if you, if you leave a, uh, an inheritance, a monetary inheritance to your children, but there's a greater inheritance to leave than anything monetary. Have you ever noticed this, that nobody takes anything to heaven? Now, heaven's wealthy. How I many got, you know that. If it wasn't, it would take some of your stuff. Did you notice the Lord doesn't even take your toothbrush with you or your underwear? It doesn't need any of it. Matter of fact, he's got it so covered, he doesn't even take your body. How many are looking forward to a new body? A brand new one. <laughs> you know, it's a spirit body. In heaven, you won't have a, you won't have a, a blood body, you'll have a spirit body. Amen. And uh, the, the, the life's in the blood in this flesh body, but in heaven it's a spirit body. And it's fueled by glory. Amen. So you have the same body that Jesus had after his resurrection. In other words, you'll have, uh, you'll have the kind of body that can and will walk through walls if you want it to. That's cool. You know, because sometimes the door is just not, not that accessible. Like, if my car's right there, it'd be really cool if I could just go right through there instead of, uh, 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 whatever. Ralph, why don't you just try that for us to see it? No, just, just kidding. <laughs> now, that's another series about, about quit trying to do it your own way. <laughs> but uh, we need to show our children, man, what it is to have a trust and reliance in God and a trust in God. My mother left me that. She left me a, a very rich inheritance or where that's concerned is a trust and a total and a reliance upon God. I've said this before through the years. I don't know why it happened to me this day. I don't know what I was dealing with, but it's been a number of years ago. And uh, I think she was probably in her mid-70s at the time. And uh, whatever it was, she says, uh, she, she called me and said, can you come to the house? i got something I've got to tell you. And uh, so whatever it was, she knew about it. And she said, here's what you need to know about what you need to know about. And I said, what's that? She said, I think she was 73. She said, I'm 73 years old. And I, all day long, I've been trying to think about one time that I ever needed something from God that I went to him and I called out upon him and I asked for his help. I'm trying to think of one time that he let me down and I can't think of one. And I'm 73. She says, so just take that and remember that. There's no such thing. She said, I just don't have an example to give you if God said no or he didn't come through. Now, that was so simple. You, you, you know, as a pastor, as a Christian, I, I knew that. But just sitting out the yard that day, you know, looking at the, the flowers and the trees and whatever, she says, there, of all the things I've called upon him, she said, there's just not one time. I, I can't give you an experience where he didn't come through. Casting all your care upon the Father for the Father cares for you. 
not to be a play of words, and I do it this way sometimes, but sometimes I purposely don't do this. We, we have a way in the South, maybe it's everywhere, but we have a way of when someone leaves, we'll tell them, take care or be careful, right? And that's okay, nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> Except I'm just trying to get a, a higher point to you. <clears throat> Instead of you being careful and take care, let's get across the bigger idea of casting the care upon him. There's some things that you just, you aren't built to take care for. You aren't. You just, you're, you're not built in such a way. You're not God's pack mule. You were never designed to take the cares of this life and you bear those cares. Jesus said, my yoke for you is easy. My burden's light. If anything, heaven's wanting to unload you, not, not, you, not, you know, not load you down as the pack mule. So if you, if, if, if you're heavy and loaded, you didn't get it from him. So you don't have to take care because he cares for you. Because as the song that we sang, he's the good, good father. A good father loves and he protects and he cares for his children. Amen. So that was, uh, so that's one of the responsibilities of us as fathers is one, we have to know the father, the good father, so that we can, um, imitate that to our children. And uh, so in the Bible, you'll see uh, uh, out of this heritage, it's not, it's not the what you lead them. It's the faith that you lead them. And because uh, things can come or go. I mean, a, a house can be destroyed. A house can be burned down. But, but houses can be replaced. But, you, but a child, once you instill that into them, it's in there for life. Amen. And uh, in the Bible, you'll see various translations of the phrase, uh, and it's in Genesis and Chronicles and Isaiah, but uh, you'll see variations of the phrase, and it's this, it says, the God of my Father. You ever heard of that? You read that in Scripture, it's the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of our Father. And uh, you'll see this in different translations, variations. Uh, and that should be our goal in life, that our children would know the God of our Father the God of our Father, the God of our Father. I've had probably more women in my life, uh, mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers who, who left a, a, an amazing heritage to their family about the God of our fathers. Amen. But now the men in this church, they're pretty solid. And you ladies better watch it on Wednesday because they're overtaking you all. You know, a lot of churches have, a lot of churches have problems getting people to come, uh, the men coming. But on Wednesday nights, the men are showing the women up. Hmm? They're strong. Stronger than dirt, so just let y'all know. Praise the Lord. Huh? <laughs> and if a man wouldn't ever go, I would never introduce him to my daughter. If he tells me he don't have time, he's too tired, I'd say, mm, don't marry him. He's tired now and he's young. Hmm? Because <clears throat> if you can't, if you, if you can't work it out here, Gunsmoke won't have the answer. And I know John Wayne wins, but if you can't win here, you will never win there. Uh, okay, I'll get off meddling now. <laughs> We know this in Genesis 12, too, when God said to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. 
So the Lord declared, you're, you're going to be blessed and you're going to, and the blessing is going to be upon you. And that same blessing to be upon you will go into your children and to their children, to their, in other words, it'll be progressive, right? And so later we saw how God began to fulfill this promise and through Abraham's servant and Genesis 24, 35, if you're making notes, says the Lord hath blessed my master abundantly and he became wealthy. Now, who, who did it? The Lord. Y'all listening? The, the Lord had blessed my master abundantly and he became wealthy and he gave him sheep and cattle and silver and gold. Now, I don't know. About, I don't want a sheep or cattle. Do you? My family says I don't much care for animals, but that's wrong. And I want to go on record and say that is wrong. I do love animals. I love cows. Chickens. I love pigs. And I love some fish. And those are animals. I am an animal lover. And today, I'm smoking six racks of ribs. So don't tell me I don't love cows. I love me some cows. <laughs> Amen. I feel better since I got that off. Sometimes we just want to defend ourselves. All right, so, so Abraham's son Isaac, he saw firsthand God working in his father's life. Firsthand. He was able to see it. He didn't have to read it in the book. He saw firsthand. Our children need to see our relationship with God, and we working with God and God working with us. In other words, it's kind of like it, whatever you do, I may never accomplish and be what you are, but I can learn a degree of it if I can just watch you do it. I never did that great with books, but if I can watch you do it, if I can watch you do it. I remember someone I was with who's in heaven now, and they, and they said, come on, we're going to cast out a devil. And I said, oh, well, you know, I got a little thing, <laughs> a few things to do. And, uh, well, uh, I said, are they like, really? He said, oh, yeah, they hissing a lot. And he said, there'll probably be some foam and stuff. I said, I really got a lot to do. I mean, I wish I could go. Because I was a little concerned when it comes out. He's look, I heard he was looking for a, a home. <laughs> and I thought, if you was right there and it, and it got evicted here, well, you just right there, right? <laughs> and I didn't know what I know now. So I said, well, you know, I'd like to go, but can't go today. He said, that can't enter your body. It can't enter you. You are the temple of God. And I said, well, I know you're saying that and all. <laughs> but if I come home scratching on the walls, i got to repaint them. <laughs> uh, and who knows? It may, it may turn me into a fruitaholic, and I won't like God's cream. That'd be terrible. So I just, I had to learn. I had to grow. Amen. So, uh, I, so Isaac saw all this stuff firsthand, that the God of his father was real, and he was real, and he decided, I'm going to serve God too. I'm going to serve him all my life. So it was progression. The God of Abraham, the God of what? Isaac, the God of what? And the God of Esau. So if you're a father and your children are looking up to you and saying, show me God. They want to, Father, where's, where's God? Then it's your, it's your representation of God is what they're going to see. It's just like what we say that sometimes the only Jesus the world sees is the, is the one they see in you. If they can't see Jesus in you, they just don't see Jesus. When y'all were in the, when y'all were out ministering yesterday, and what you had like forty to sixty people saved somewhere around there, and you fed over five hundred people, ministered their needs. So what did those people say? They saw Jesus. They saw the love of God. I mean, you didn't go there and do that because you was hungry, was you? 
Don't y'all have something to eat? So you didn't do it for you. You didn't clothe them because you didn't have clothes. But Jesus said, when you do this to the least of those, he said, I take it very personal in that you did it unto me. And so our children learn best from what they see from you. Amen. I kind of grew up in a house where there was uh, some hot tempers. And you can say, well, it's, it's, it's the Irish in me. Well, you can, that's a cop out. I don't care if they're redheaded and Irish. That, that's not a verse. The love of God's been shed, shed abroad in your red-headed Irish heart. Now act like it. Right? Well, love is the fruit of the Spirit, and every other fruit comes out of, out of that. But, but love itself is the fruit of the Spirit. So when people say, well, I'm just not patient, that's the one I hear mostly. You ever hear people say, I'm just not patient? Well, you ought to tell them to get saved. Problem is, these are Christians telling you that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. What? There it is. There it is. There's patience right there. It's just what? We're not giving place to it. But if you, if you begin to think, you know, that old story with me was I just, I didn't grow up this way. And Michelle, she grew up in a home where everyone was real affectionate and they were all hugging. Of course, you know, and I just said, I don't, we didn't grow up like that. And I said, I do love you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. I just don't know why we had to talk about this every day. <laughs> that didn't, that didn't, uh, that won't get you very good meals. <laughs> but I was 22 or 3 years old, so I had a lot to learn. And I just said, but I, but I do love you. But why are you so insecure that you need to hear it? That won't help you either. I'm just, these are things not to do. <laughs> not to do. <laughs> and so, uh, <clears throat> so I just told myself for years, I'm just not the affectionate type. And if you'd have been around me, you'd have agreed. Right? And some of y'all here are just like that. You don't need people hugging you all the time. And some of you are the real whatever. You know, you can't be with a person that you love or maybe you're married to without you always touching on them. And other people are just like, please, wash your hands. Get them. I mean, <laughs> let me alone for a little while. Just get a dog. <laughs> Quit patting me. <laughs> <laughs> so we so we have all types, but but I had just you know come to the place and said I'm just not I'm just not affectionate, and so I don't need that. And uh, but I'm a word person, right? And I was over in the Colossians one time, and I was reading the Amplified translation, which is the female translation that uses more words to say what it wants to say. And so I was reading Colossians, and it said, "Be kind, affectionate one to another." And when I read that, I heard the Holy Ghost on the inside of me said, "Be what?" Read it again. I said, be you kind, affectionate. He said, so you could be affectionate. I said, hmm. They'll say I'm a word person, right? Because the word says it. That's who I am. That's what I can do. And I said, well, yeah, but uh, uh, okay. So I determined right then, just turn switch. I said, boy, I'm really the affectionate type. So I started putting it into practice. And the way I had to put it into practice is I had to make myself notes. So I got some index cards, and I would write Michelle a note, and I would leave it. Or I'd write me notes next morning to get into the right conversation with her, and, and I'd read them and says, Good morning, G. You look nice. Uh, <laughs> wow, is that a new dress? <laughs> uh, it wasn't really convincing on the front end. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, see, it's, it's not where it's not where you know it's not where I was. It's where I was going, and I I, I was off and I was started. And she doesn't call me Romeo today. She actually calls me Lord, is what she called me. And in, in, in her in her phone it says Lord Eric. Is that right? You say, well, what did you just say? Well, the New Testament. So some say New Testament. In the book of Peter, it says Sarah called Abraham Lord and said, and you would do well to do the same. And I told you, you would do well. <laughs> now, I admit I did have to take her phone and, and, and in the contact, I, she would, didn't really want to do it. So I said, give me your phone. So I put Kappa, I put Lord Eric and, and she didn't delete it. So she's working on that. So we both got something we were working on. I'm affectionate, and she's succumbing to or whatever. Yeah, okay. Next point. The good father, number two, good father always always loves the mother of his children. The best gift, men, that you can ever give your children is to love their mother. That's the best gift, and them see it. And it's really good when your children, especially when they're young and growing up, where you can display affection in front of them. I didn't say intimacy stuff, sexual things. I mean, just, they, and they may go like this. And sometimes when Lexi's at the house, you know, while I'm leaving her or whatever, and I'll kiss Michelle or hug her, she'll go, ooh, but she doesn't really mean to. She really likes it because of what it causes her to feel is security and to feel loved. And 80% of the time she says, well, can I, can I have the hug too? So then she wants the, the three group hug. Amen. It's the best gift that you can give your children, really, is for you to love their mother. Amen. You men need to say amen every now and then. Or oh me. Yeah. So a lot of men don't realize that their treatment of their wives not only affect their children, but also how God views them, right? Uh, if a husband doesn't treat his wife the way that God told him to treat him, and God did give us the manual. This is the manual. And he told us how we were to treat them. Actually, there wasn't a scripture that says, I'll say this, you'll say, that's got to be wrong. <clears throat> but just search the scripture. There's really not a scripture that tells women to love us. It tells us to love them. The reason is women are reciprocal. They respond. Huh? They, ref the, the, you, they reflect you. So if you speak despairingly of them, you're speaking of yourself. It's the mirror effect. And so they women are to respond to us, but we are to be the initiators. Amen. And so we, uh, we are to um, treat them the way that God told us to treat them. And Ephesians 5 says, husbands, you are to love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. Not out of some Jerry Springer thing, which is nuts anyway, right? I read something this week, but his show might be canceled, and I said, well, praise God for that. You know, so here's the deal. We are to love our wives. How? As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for the church. And the marriage relationship 
our children will embrace that when they see the Bible said it's the washing of the water of the word that purifies our home and purifies ourselves and cleanses ourselves. Amen. Because you're, you're raising the next generation of leaders and you have no idea who's in your home. Every president of the United States was some, at one time somebody's little boy. One day it'll be somebody's little girl. Amen. Not Hillary, but anyway, hallelujah. Jeez, I'm sorry. The glass ceiling is still up there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyway, we'll move right off that. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husband, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat, treat your wife with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So when we love the mother of our, of the, our children, you bring into their home, into their heart, peace and happiness into their home, into their future. Let me move on a little bit faster. Uh, a good father loves, he himself loves his children and lets them know that. Amen. Uh, many parents think loving means buying them something or buying their kids something or the latest electronic thing or the latest little gadgets. Well, not everyone is in a position to do that. But that stuff, I mean, how many raising kids at Christmas time, you went all out to go get this and hopefully you didn't, but you might have went in debt and then you stayed up till four o'clock in the morning trying to figure it, put it, how to put it together. And you wish you could find the guy who wrote how to put it together actually you know, the, the architect of that thing and say, have you ever put one of these suckers together that you designed? You'd like to strangle them and hang them up in an oak tree somewhere. And you, no, I'm just sorry about that. But anyway, right? So you're, you're all primed for this kid to unwrap and see this thing that you've worked on all this time and they're over, they're over playing with the box. They're intrigued by cardboard and they're on the inside of it, you know, and they're eating the paper. <laughs> And you're like, mm hmm? Okay. I just wonder if your home was kind of like mine. You know, we, our folks didn't have that kind of money. We weren't poor, but we weren't, I don't know if we was middle class, we was lower middle. So sometimes our, some, sometimes our, our, the kind of thing that happened with us sometimes it was we got toys. What we got was, was batteries that said toy not included. <laughs> <laughs> this year <laughs> maybe your birthday hang on to the batteries <laughs> oh. a good father loves his children loves his children so buying things doesn't nearly doesn't make up for the difference it doesn't equate time not spent hmm. if you want if you want your children to be a leader if you want your children to, to be successful if you want your children to emulate this word right here, then you have to invest into your children. You're, you as the father are to initiate that and you are to invest into your home. Invest into your home. It's not enough just to come throw a check on the, on the table and kind of cut the weeds down. You, you, if you, if you're going to have children, then you need to invest into your children and it will pay dividends forever and forever and forever. If I did any part of my job right, then long after I'm gone, what was instilled to them will still be on the earth. Amen. And I don't know anything richer than that. Do you? Amen. And maybe they'll love animals like I do. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I love cows. Amen. And if you're vegetarian, I'm sorry. Not real sorry, but I mean, it's kind of. Anyway. 
And a good father, next, a good father is responsible for his children. There's a popular, you know, idea that uh, uh, my generation, we think this is funny. Uh, and, and I'm reading more and more things that they're putting out for ministry that's telling us how we need to approach or change our approach to, to disciplining children. My mother never read any of this stuff that's coming out. And she wouldn't have read it. And I don't even know if there was a DHR when I was growing up. But if there was, she would still be serving time. Because <laughs> there were just some things she'd say, boy, did you do that? Oh, yes, ma'am. And just like, she said, where's the shovel? I said, why? She said, I don't know if I'm going to bury you on this side of the yard or that side of the yard. So she, she had another way of getting her point across. She thought if she could pat you on the back long enough and low enough, she'd reach the nerve center to the brain and change your mind. And she was right. It worked every time. So, but now, so here's something I, that they're saying. This said, it says a children has rights. A children has rights. Nathan, did your mother know that? She didn't know that. <laughs> she, she didn't read this article. It says, no matter how young that person is, a children has rights, and you should treat them as adults. you got to be slapped out of your mind to believe something like that. Excuse me for not cleaning that up just a little bit. A children has rights. This child that you're working for every day and you're raising, and, and they said the children has the same rights as you, and you should treat them as adults. Yeah, well, I'll be in jail too then. Now, I say, I, I, I'm saying it's different when there's grandchildren because I let mine buy about everything. And I'm kind of the culprit of why they eat what they eat sometimes at my house. The parents want to limit this and like this, and I really don't care as much. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, then they, they want to be there, right? And so we, uh, we, 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 don't, we don't say no too well. And it, it seems to bother me more when they discipline their children at my home. Their crying affects me more than the crying did when I was raising their, their parents. <laughs> it's like, it's like I, I, can't, I, I can't take that. I, I, just, I can't take that. <laughs> but it did hurt me more than it hurt them. But I had really good kids. <laughs> no, I did really good. Amen. So that's a foolish idea, isn't it? To think that your children has the same rights as adults. The scripture says train up a child what? Huh? Did it say train you? S somebody's got to be in charge, right? And it should never be them. You are to train them. And so uh, I had a, I had one over the other day, and he got mad, and he, and he uh, threw a little fit, and then kicked me in the shins. And I said, "That that that, that didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen." So I still have this board on top of my refrigerator. Uh, it's it's actually it, it's a great paddle, but it was made to be a a, a wooden handle that you had pegs on to put your hats on. 
And I bought it from a yard sale for my sister. She wouldn't sell it to me otherwise. And I pulled out all those pegs and left holes. And it had just the right grip for a paddle. And I said, she said, well, what? My sister said, well, what you pulling them out for? George said, well, why are you going to pull them out? I said, oh, ain't going to be no hat rack. This is going <laughs> to She said, no, 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 you can't buy this. Oh, no, it's mine. I said, she said, what about them holes? I said, that's where the flesh gets up. In the <laughs> so anyway, this three-year-old told me no the other day. And it kicked me in the shins. And it just took me a little while thinking, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So I picked him up by the seat of his britches and took him to the refrigerator and got the dress. I said, you, you see this? You know what this is? What's that, Papa? I said, this fits me on your rear end, son. We don't kick. We don't do this. And I used it. Amen. Not hard, but I used it. You know what happened within two minutes? He was in my lap hugging me. But I told him why we're going to use it. Right? Not out of anger. I told him why we're using it. Amen. Uh, next thing. A good father always instructs his children. The Genesis 8, 18, 19 says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, God said, that he will direct. I've chosen him. I know Abraham will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right. He said, I've chosen him, and I know he's going to direct. He's going to bring training and instruction, and he's going to direct his children. Training and instruction and direct his children. So a lot of times we have a lot of things going on in our life. We have very, very busy schedules. We have all kinds of things to do. We're trying to how, to how to do our time here and do our time there. We can't let the TV raise them. We can't let the parents raise them. Uh, and sometimes you may think it's a balancing act for you, uh, Dad, but your children uh, should be at the top of your list after your wife. should be your wife before your children because one day the children will be gone and that woman is who you're going to have a relationship with. Hmm? Yeah, and if you don't have one now, you won't have one when they're gone. Don't shout me down because I just preach really good right there. Uh, let me skip one or two here because of our time. Proverbs 29... Um, 15 says the child left to himself disgraces his mother. If you live, if you leave the training to themselves and to what they want and their rights, it says that child will end up disgracing his parents, his mother. Uh, and my heart goes out to parents who are, who are single parents because a lot of times they're, they're having to be the mom and dad and we're in, in, Actually, you can't be the mom and dad, but I'm telling you what, you, you have a grace to do what you're doing. You have a grace to do what you're doing. I love my father, honor my father. He went home, what, three years ago and two more days. Father's Day weekend three years ago. But I credit most of my raising to my mother. I mean, this was a single mother who raised four kids, worked two jobs, and we were in church three times a week. You didn't ask her, do we have to go tonight? You were going. I mean, it was just it was just going, and she instilled that. It would have been real easy for her a lot of times just say, oh, "I'm a little tired," but she made sure that, that those years that we were, in, you know, being raised as children, that we were we were in the house of God and we were around godly input and godly people. And I believe if you look at her children, none of us is perfect. Uh, Barb and I almost are, <laughs> but you know, 
other two's kind of working the deal out. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just kidding. If I'm talking to one of my brother, I'm just like, well, you know it's true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't mean that either. So, uh, no, I'm just playing. But anyway, it, it's, it, it's, there's still a work in progress, but I'm just saying, but, but she invested and she invested and she invested and she invested and she was the example. And she was the example. And she, she had a strong personality, but I, but other than that, she, she had a trust in God and she believed that, that, you know, Hey, we're only here for a brief season. We got eternity. And so what, what you're sowing now is what you're going to be reaping in the future. So let's don't sow bad stuff and let's don't teach our, th- our children things that are bad because you want them to have a hope in the future too also, right? So a child left himself will always disgrace their parents. And so those of you who are single parents, we pray for you and remember you in our, in our prayers and we lift you up and we thank God for the grace that you have on your life. And look here, you may not be, if you're a mother and a dad may not be there, you know more than those kids. And you need to impart into those kids and, uh, and teach them and train them and love them. Uh, number seven, a good father always encourages his children. I want to take a little extra time on this. A good father will always take time to encourage his children. If you grew up, and hopefully you don't have a negative personality, but if you grew up in a home where it's kind of negative, it's real easy for us to find just in life, forget Father's Day today, but it's real easy for us to, to kind of dismiss what's going right in life and always see what's wrong. Well, if I only didn't have this, if I only didn't have that. Well, there may be some days as you get older that you may not feel that great this day, but hey, you, you don't feel bad everywhere, do you? I mean, I'm not going to actually show your hands. Do you have any pains here today or any kind of medical issues? But you're not hurting everywhere, are you? I mean, how's your right eyebrow today? Everybody good on the right eyebrow? Well, see, you got something to praise the Lord for. Huh? Yeah. I mean, is your hair hurting this morning? Now, please don't raise your hand. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, see the hand. Pray for the hurting hair right after church. <laughs> well, here's the deal. So our children, although they may not do everything just like you want them to, you know, have y'all noticed that children always don't do exactly what you want them to? Or they may not do it. You know, it, it is right to encourage and expect them to do more because sometimes unless kids are made to, so to speak, or encouraged to, sometimes they won't live up to their potential. So they need someone. I mean, I got, I'm, I'm looking at a valedictorian. But I don't think all that was always his decision all the time. There's a lot of times he could like to just flake that a little bit. But that woman sitting on his right and that man to his right, they were looking for more than that. So, and he knows that. Am I right? There's times he would have taken the low road, but uh, not with that mother. He won't take the low road. Right? But that'll pay off for his life forever. Amen. And which means he would take care of you forever. <laughs> That's right. Uh, get this and get that tape to them, both of them. They, they both need to copy that. <laughs> That's right. But that's part of the investment. But no matter how well your child's doing or not doing, the, um, if they're doing their best, you need to encourage them. I mean, some some kids do good to, to show up in class because they have no parents to even know if they're even there. They They leave there and... Both, um, sometimes there's only one parent in the home and sometimes they have two parents and both of them are laying in the bed high. There's no one to encourage them. It's just amazing that they even got themselves to school and in class. 
So no matter how well our, your child's doing and whatever they're doing, they need to be encouraged. Everyone in this room, we all have the same thing. We all, from time to time, we need encouragement. We need to know that what we're doing is making a difference. We need to know that someone cares about something that we're doing, right? And as, and as parents, and I'm telling you as fathers, your children need to know from you and mothers also that you, that you, uh, encourage and you respect and you're, and it's your, uh, lifting them up and, you know, all your kids will take a different path one day. If you had 50 kids, they'd all be different. Don't have them, but I mean, don't have 50, but I mean, but if you did, they'd all be different. It's kind of an amazing thing that they're all raised in the same home and they all had, they all ate out of the same cereal box and they're all around the same table, but each one is different and have different capacities and have different strengths. They have different weaknesses and they have different personalities, but yet they all had the same belief systems growing up. And so we need to find out where they're shining and encourage that. Amen. And it's just so important. So uh, each one of my children are on a different walk of life, but I'm proud of it, each and every one of them. Amen. I, I was kidding one time, one time I said years ago, I said, I probably love one of you more, but I can't. I won't tell you who it is right now. And they all said, well, well I know it's me, Dad, but we don't want to hurt the rest of them ceilings. <laughs> Well, here's the deal. So we, we want to encourage them. Uh, first Thessalonians, and we'll go two more minutes. It says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as the father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging or warning you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So we want to be the encourager. You want to be the cheerleader for him. Amen. And... Uh, won't give much to this one, but, uh, for sake of time, but, uh, a good father does not provoke his children. A good father does not provoke his children. Ephesians 6 forces, uh, it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke your children to anger. NASB says, uh, what are fathers to do instead? Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers have a way of provoking their children. Uh, by impatience or harshness sometimes. And maybe it's because of how you was raised. And we just take it to the next generation. Well, let's see you and I generation stop that. If that's, if that's the way it was, let's, let's stop that and let's get a redo. Okay. And, uh, provocation means more than what we think. The verse that I've just read, it refers to training and instructions. It says train, not provoke. Instruct, not provoke. Amen. Here's the question I'll leave you with. As a father, as parents, what will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? You know, most kids will rise to the level of what you believe about them. They will. And no matter where they are now, I mean, you, you may have a child that seems like they're wayward right now. And they may be. But you know the seed's not incorruptible. In other words, the seed that you put in them will never rot. And sometimes, you know, it'd be good if we all could just learn and say, don't do this. Okay, I never will. But after pastoring in my 24th year now, I find out that's not the way most of them do it. I have a couple friends growing up as a teenager that they didn't believe the bridge was out. But it was. 
I'm telling you it was. And I'm just so thankful I got out of the car before they was going to prove their point. Because they went and said they always post that because they just want you to go the long way around and they're still working on it. And they, and Bridge is out, dude. And so what will our legacy be to them? The Bible says that we are to, we, all of us are to imitate our fathers, our heavenly father. But your children will begin to imitate you. They'll begin to take the very things. Some of it will be your personality. I mean, they have their own personality, but some of it will be your personality. Not, we're not talking about just genetics, but I'm just talking about how you handle situations. I heard something years ago, 20 years ago, said you could best determine the size of a man by the size of the problem that upsets him. So when they spill the Kool-Aid over and you lose it, that's a small man. Hmm? And so love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long, the love of God is patient, kind. It's long-suffering. It's gentle. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. And no, matter, no matter what your kids do or don't do, or when they even get older and they make mistakes, they should always be able to come to you as a parent, always, no matter what their mistake. Even if you told them 10, 100,000 times, which is not really a number, but they, sh they should be able to come to you in their hardest times and they should be able to receive mercy and forgiveness. I don't care how many times you told them. You see, here's something none of us should ever have to earn. And your children should never have to earn your love. Never. Um, so they'll, they'll make decisions sometimes that you won't agree with, that you won't like. But as they get older, how many of you, when you got into the age of marrying and raising children, you can go back and see some of the wisdom now of your parents when they told you don't do it that way, but you just didn't see it back then. And now it becomes clear why mom and dad said that. Right? You know, and when you won't listen to anyone, it's like driving at night without your headlights. Um, you're probably going to bump into something. And so, but our children should never have to earn our time or have to earn our love and uh, our forgiveness if necessary. And it may be that you, one day you'll have to do something I've had to do. You may have to ask your child to forgive you. Hmm? I mean, there's a lot of times I responded wrong. There were some times I responded wrong out of their mistakes and out of frustration and just gave them whatever. I gave them what I was feeling. And you should never give people what you're feeling if what you're feeling doesn't line up with the Father's heart. You, sh you should give them the word. You should give them the Father's love. Amen? If you leave, if you, if you leave a pathway to them, even if they're wavered at the moment, even if they're backslidden at the moment. If you leave a path of, of love, you'll give them a road to travel back to you on. But if you just give them the ultimatum and you just cut them off, hmm? you see this a lot in ministry. A lot of what happens is because something happens with, kid, uh, with children and or a mistake is evident and people know about it. And then, you know, it's like, how could that happen? You're the pastor. Well, stuff that happens with everybody. 
It's just more pronounced in ministry. Why? Because the lights are shining even brighter. I've been doing this two and a half decades, and I can I can tell you there's no perfect people in this room. There's some who may have a different testimony than those, but there, there's no one in this room perfect. I, I you know, I, I've, I've had to stop people while they were counseling with me. I said, whoa, 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 no, 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 don't, don't, don't tell me no more. Because I have a I have a responsibility legally that I would have to turn you. I don't need to know anymore. <laughs> so unless you want to meet the sheriff today, whoa, stop right here. And when you listen to some of these stories, you're like, wow, wow, things that people have been exposed to and what they've seen and what people have done to them. And you know, it's just it's just amazing that some people even have their right mind. And we can't look to the world. That's why you need one another. That's why we, I need you and we need one another. And that's why we need the word. And that's why we need the like believers of precious faith. I know, I know there's a saying out there that says, you know, we need a whole village to raise a child. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get all that. Yeah. Hillary made that really big on the, on the chair. It takes a whole village, but you know, the Lord didn't give the instruction to the village to raise your children. You, he gave it to you. The village will help where it can. But he gave you the instructions. You raise up the child, not you and the village. Amen. And so here we are, men. And we got some of the finest men around the world sitting in this room. Good men, good hearts, good examples. Good person to follow with character and integrity and faith. Good role models. This man right here sitting on the front right here. There's no man who, who spent more time and more love taking care of of a child that came into the earth the way that Callie came into and gave his entire life to her. And she's in heaven now. And she's got a brand new body. But most of us would have fell exhausted to what he, what he did daily. 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 And would like to be doing it right now, I'm sure. So everyone has a story. And our children will, will take it beyond where we ever went to if we'll just instruct them the right way and we'll invest into them the same love from the Father into them. Amen? I'll go over these real quickly. Here's, here's the points. I didn't have time to go over all of them, but here's other principles. Number one, know the Heavenly Father and represent God to your children. Number two, love the mother of their children. Number three, he loves his children. The father loves his children. Number four, he's responsible for his children. Number five, he teaches and instructs his children. Number six, he trains and disciplines his children. Number seven, he encourages his children. And number eight, he comforts his children. Number nine, he warns his children. We didn't go over that one, but sometimes they need warnings. Amen. Don't go this way. Don't go the path of the unrighteous because this is where it leads. Okay. Number 10, do not provoke your children. And then number 11, leave a strong spiritual legacy for your children. Amen. Well, thank you for coming and being a part today and taking the word. Thank you for my card and your love and the kind words. And uh, I bless you in Jesus' name. And, uh, ma'am, we have a gift for the fathers. Yes. And how are they going to get it? As you're leaving. If you don't leave, you don't get it. <laughs> and you're going to want to get it. And make sure you got some milk at home or stop and get some milk. From a cow, which I love dearly. <laughs>
God bless you. Have a blessed day.